there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Friday, November 3rd. This is episode 45. We are obviously in a different studio now, so... For better or for worse, like I said on the first episode, it'll be a bunch of testing things out. So we are now testing out uh, a new area of the building, and uh, thank goodness we have a green screen. So uh, There's lots more stuff to look at in here, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like this a lot more than the curtains. It was kind of showtimey what we were doing before. Yeah. But uh, it's nice that we're all, you know, on the same plane, not like back of your guy's head on the on that so it's all good Luis is pulling the trigger we can we can pan over to the left we're like right next to Luis now which is nice no so, manu ginobili bald spots or anything no that other angle damn just throwing don under the butt no i'm just kidding i'm, <laughs> just, not throwing I'm any just kidding, kidding. that's a that's a manu ginobili <laughs> have anyway. you ever have you ever seen the gif where um it might have been the block on james harden or something like that where or no it's somebody else but it's a it's a it's a reverse shot of Manu Ginobili, but like somebody comes up and like flips his flips the bald spot closed <laughs> no. or something like that. Somebody flips the bald spot closed. It's a pretty funny gif. No, I haven't seen it. My favorite gif of Manu is in the one I always use is him just smacking the bat out oh, of the yeah. air. That's, that's my favorite one. It's, it's like, how are you feeling? God. Anyway, this is episode forty-five. I'm Matt Roy, Zach Hedrick over there. Um, start with the number game, even though we have a crap ton of stuff to get to. It is a wild time in Texas and. Football, baseball, basketball, and other alien sort of things that we see on the <laughs> basketball court. Uh, but we'll start with the number game, as always. This is a very near and dear one to my heart because I'm a Red Sox fan. Pedro Martinez comes to comes to mind for me, number 45. He sure. was the most dominant pitcher there for about a seven-year stretch yeah. when they broke the curse of the Bambino and all that stuff. Um, Pedro, probably, for my money, one of the best pitchers of all time. The Yankees are still his daddy, though. Um, are they? Yeah. <laughs> uh i i still believe he he you know campaigned hard to pitch in that game seven. Oh, for you know, sure that's the only you know he he will lie and say no i was <laughs> i had my spikes off i was not gonna pitch in that game no he wanted to pitch in that game he needed all the redemption he could get i guess so but, well and they got it yeah, so exactly um, for me it, it's it's another one you have listed on here bob gibson i mean i uh, yeah, Pedro for for this most recent generation, you know, my generation growing up and, you know, Pedro was was dominant, you know, from the late 90s into the early 2000s, but going back and looking historically, I mean, Bob Gibson, you know, if if you were an opposing hitter, you did not want to see him on the hill <laughs> because not. that dude, I, he even scares me and um, you know, man, just what a competitor uh with World World Series recency bias, you know, a two-time World Series MVP. I mean, one of, one of the more dominant pitchers, I think, in the game. So, uh, for for my money, it's it's Bob. Yeah, and then if you were looking at like current players for the new generation, it would be like Donovan Mitchell over in Utah. I mean, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, one of the best players in, right now. I I mean, I don't think he's that great compared to his team and like how his usage numbers. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. He is still a great uh, number forty five. Pedro and Bob Gibson. It's hard to get better than those two, though. So. Yeah. Uh, 
it's tough. I, usually I make the rundown. I'm like, okay, what's the lead today? You know how we do in journalism. He's like, what's the lead? And then what's the first graph and all that stuff? We got three leads. Because I didn't really know what to start with. So I wanted, <laughs> I kind of wanted to ask Zach. It's like we have the Cowboys going into their first or their tough division game against Philly. We talk a lot about the Cowboys. We've got the Rangers World Series. Old news. <laughs> and that, well, I mean, there are parades today. Yeah, no, it's happening right now. Yeah. Have parades going on right now. But uh, I kind of feel like Wemby's like Thanos, where he's just inevitable. So yeah. I, no, I, 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 I thought we should start there. I think so as well. I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing. And, and I know everybody's just kind of like, let's tap the brakes on the effusive praise. But really, when you're just looking at all the comparatives, you know, it's like, hey, it took this guy so many games to have this kind of performance or score this many points. You know, you, and you go down the list, it's like Shaq, LeBron, Dirk, er, like yeah. any, anybody that you can name in the NBA. It's like they didn't do it in five games. Now, will Wimby do this every night? Probably not. He's still gonna, you know, have a learning curve as far as rookie goes. But, you know, being in his rookie season and all, he's gonna still make a de- impact defensively. And he did that on the very first possession for the Suns last night. Yeah. And then, yeah, he he goes off, and really, it's it's his teammates finding him. It's Trey Jones driving the lane and just being like, "Wait, let me look back." Oh, yep. Let's give it to the seven four guy. Hey, feed the trailer and let him slot and let him slam dunk it. So. Uh, pretty easy offense, yeah. You know what he was like. I, I looked; it was, he was like ten for nineteen at one point. I, don't, yeah, I can't remember 13, what he, he was. Thirteen for twenty four at one point. I don't have the the shooting numbers down, but he shot extremely efficiently. Yeah, no, he, you know he only put up like four three pointers or whatever, and but all of that is inside the paint mostly. So and it's like, yeah, yeah keep feeding him. I saw a tweet from uh, David Hinojosa over at Express News last night, and he was just like, it feels like it's too easy to say like sixth grade basketball throw it to the tallest kid in the middle and just see what he can do. Yeah. But it seems like that's what's working for the Spurs right now. It's like it they, is. Th- they throw it in. There was one play last night where they threw it into Wemby or he tapped a uh, a rebound out right to Jeremy Shohan and he goes up and, and lays it in. So he ends up getting the tap assist, even though he could barely reach the ball and he just bats it over to Jeremy. And it's like literally the ball is five feet away from him. And he just taps it over to Jeremy. He gets the, gets the easy layup. It's the things that... His height allows him to do, but it's not just his height. His athleticism, his agility, his his want to win, his will to win is yeah. is what we saw on display on Tuesday night. And then we really saw on display last night when he scores those 10 points in the fourth quarter and kind of they tie it up after being up 27. The Suns tie it up at 116, I think it was. Yep. And then what they go on like a six the Spurs go on like a 15 to 3 run to close the game. It's just yeah. it's unbelievable what will to win can can create that to me is the more impressive part you know yes the spurs shot the nets off in the first half up by 20 you know and it, it was kind of crazy just i remember reading that on the sportscast last night it's just it's almost a a complete reversal from the night before it's just like they're the ones up by 20 at the half uh but to to for phoenix to salt away that lead and and get back into the game tied at 116 like you said the real impressive part for me was what this young team did in the closing final four minutes or whatever it was that's winning time and to go on and you know shut them down and go close it out with 16 16 5 you know over the last four minutes it's like that's pretty doggone impressive yeah there's so many uh impressive parts of this team right now um one of which was like you have this big emotional win on Tuesday mm-hmm. where you come back in the closing minutes. Trey Jones might have fouled Kevin Durant. The, the the league says that nothing happened, that it was an overreaction, and that he actually didn't hit him in the face when that steal happened with Keldon. But you have that incredible closing second win. 
the first road win of the season for him after getting blown out by the Clippers. You come back, you get that, and then you kind of assume like the national media and, and pundits and everyone was just like, well, the Suns are going to come back and kill him. That's, they were nine-point favorites, and then you hear Devin Booker come back. I think they went up all the way up to like 10, 11-point favorites last night uh, going into the Thursday night game. And then the Suns come out, and they're up by 20, 25 in the first half. Mm-hmm. They get out to that 9-0 run to start the game, and it's just like, oh, well, they're not going to do what they did last time when they had they won last Friday. I think it was against the Rockets. And then in that really emotional come from behind victory, and then you come out and you lay an egg against the Clippers. And then you come out, you have an emotional win against the Suns on Tuesday, and then you didn't lay an egg. So they're kind of learning how to bounce back, which is even more impressive for that young team. Yeah, it's it's very early. Again, we're five games in. They're finding themselves. It's it's a young team learning how to gel and play with each other. And they're figuring it out early. You know, again, Trey Jones, he, he's the one. And Jeremy's coming along, too, I think, as far as that point guard position. And they still have time to experiment with that. I know some fans are kind of maybe clamoring to, okay, yeah, he's that's not working out. They, they have the luxury of time, right? You know, so it's an 82-game season. We're just five games in. So, yeah, it's a, it's a young team learning how to play with each other. And, and these two are obviously going to be a big confidence boost for them. So, man – buckle up it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be fun to watch basketball this winter yeah i think i saw it was the first spurs rookie last night uh that had 38 points and 10 boards in a game since david robinson so i mean you not enough like you can't say enough about wemby's performance last night 38 points 10 boards two assists two blocks kind of willed his team to win and there's so many images where the stills are the things that like really take people back like you have kevin durant who's a good seven foot tall. Like he says, yeah, he's six eleven. He says yeah. he's six eleven. He's seven feet tall. Like, right. I've seen him. He's 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 a very tall man. <laughs> and uh, him standing straight ar- arm straight up to Wemby, and he's he can't even get to the ball where Wemby's releasing it. It's like the release, shooting over him. He's yeah. shooting over him at, at he's shooting over a seven footer who we're all comparing him to, and it's just like he's not even there. Sure, it's a, it's unbelievable where his shot comes from, how he's able to create his own offense, how he's able to come off the screens and act like a small forward, a power forward. Even in the center minutes, he's being uh, unbelievably efficient. And then it's just kind of amazing to see how Trey Jones and Jeremy and Keldon and Devin, who I hope is not really injured, uh, they said that it might be he might be out for a little while, which really sucks because mm-hmm. Devin was having a great game last night, 17 in the first half. But it's amazing to see how all these young guys are starting to be like, okay, I can kind of just here's where I need to throw it to make sure that only Wemby can get it. Here's how I don't turn the ball over trying to get it to Victor. Here's where I need to go to make sure Victor sees me. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things to making sure that you can really become that kind of unit. And you bring up Durant just going back to kind of heaping on the effusive praise a little bit. I think he was asked after the game. It's mm-hmm. just like, hey, what what do you think about this comparison, Wemby and, and you? Is that fair? And he's just like, Durant was like, no, he's his own guy. Like yeah. Already five games in, if Kevin Durant can see that, it's like the the praise is real. You know, it's like the things that he's doing, it's, yeah, nobody's seen before. And if these guys can recognize it, obviously the sophisticated fans here in San Antonio and across basketball are going to recognize that too. I think they are. So as far as people being, oh, well, maybe we should, you know, ease off on, you know, saying he's the next next, next best thing. No, he, he is. He's to give him more time to develop, and it's just going to be exponential. Yeah, and with all these nationally televised games early on in the season, I think people are starting to truly realize like who MB is, what what he's about, 
and really start to invest and see what the future of basketball really looks like. Yeah. Because you have him coming from France, and a lot of people might not have seen him besides the highlights that we ran leading up to the draft and like all of that stuff, and you don't have all those eyeballs on him. And now, five games in, they had the preseason game. It's like you see, you see what the possibilities are here. Yeah. It's, it's inconceivable. Like I don't even think we can fully comprehend the full possibilities of what Victor can become and what the Spurs can become with him as the lead guy. And while all that's happening, we're we're seeing the spectacle happen unfold in front of us. But all that, all the while, I'm just thinking of Coach Pop seeing these games and the wheels are turning. Of okay, he can do this. He can do this. He can you know make this move or whatever. All these things are happening, and and he's just in the lab thinking, okay, we can bring this piece in, add this guy. If we get a player who can do this sort of skill or you know, defensive set or whatever like that. It's going to take them to the next level. So, man, 82 games after this, you know, what are they going to do after that? That that will be a lot of fun and intriguing to watch as well. Yeah, I mean, and you can see just how um, how the odds have shifted. Like, his rookie of the year odds are now at minus 350, which means you would need to bet $350 to win $100 in Vegas. That It's just using that as like a – point of of emphasis it's like his odds i think coming into the season were like minus 125 which is an implied odds of like 51 percent mm-hmm. now it's almost an 80 percent chance they're saying that Wemby's going to win the rookie of the year right and it's and that's a factor of getting those eyeballs onto him mm-hmm. and it's like everyone can now see him everyone sees exactly what he does how this team rallies around him the odds should probably be even worse or even better i mean you're five games in the odds have already shifted this much they're like it's an air one it's an narrative award and so if he's even remotely like this the rest of the season, I think he'll probably get it. But it's it's insane that how much the odds have shifted towards him, right. towards him and towards the Spurs. The big thing will be just staying away from you know injuries. Knock on wood yeah. for for everybody <laughs> because that with with bigger guys in the NBA, that's that's kind of what you know curtails the the career a little bit. So. Uh, but you know the Spurs are going to be smart about that. They they have his trainer Guillaume, you know, from France that here with the team working with them. So you know they're going to stay with that. And I'm sure the lines of communication are wide open between Wemby, Pop, the training staff, everybody. They're 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 talking like crazy just to make sure that everything's on the up and up. And if there's even just the slightest twinge. Uh, look the, look for them to go into you know conservative mode and be careful with it because they don't want to do anything to derail this yeah, you know, I mean, at the outset. Yeah, I mean, he's played the first five games. Uh, he's played pretty significant minutes in most of those. I think one of the first game he was in foul trouble, so he didn't play very much. So, but he's been over 30 minutes, I believe, in every single game that he's played so far. And he, I would see that continuing in every game he plays in unless, yeah. he, unless he does have something nagging at him. And sure. Speaking of injuries, I mean – Devin, I hope, is not very injured. He tweaked sure. his groin last night. They are going to get an MRI to see the full extent of it. Yeah. I'd imagine that he's going to miss a few weeks, um, which really sucks because Devin is along the best. one of the best things uh, of having Wemby and all these eyes on him is that you have all these eyes on the other players. And right. I think people are truly starting to realize that Devin is a, is a certified bucket. Yeah, and it's, and it's facilitating. I think there was one play where they got the ball to Victor kind of up high, just inside the wing, outside the elbow or something like that. But when we kicked it out to Devin, uh, who who knocked down the three. Yeah. I mean, so again, yeah, that that goes to that team aspect, like you're saying. When everybody starts to hone in on Victor, it's just like, well, that just opens up, you know, all kinds of space for everybody else, including Devin. 
And yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier. He was having a great night shooting the ball. You know, he's coming off that knee injury from last season. Hopefully this is something minor and it's just, you know, maybe rest it for a couple of days and he's back out there. Um, because, yeah, you know, you, you hate for him to miss any more time than he already has, you know, going back to last season. Yeah, I think one of my main takeaways um, is that I'm happy that we've kind of been vindicated and uh, proven correct that Vegas doesn't know what the hell they're talking about <laughs> as far as a win total goes. Um, they're at three wins. They just got two wins in Phoenix against presumably one of the best teams in the conference once they have all their pieces. Obviously, that was Devin's be- first game back, Devin Booker's first game back. You got Bradley Beal's first game uh, still yet to come. He hasn't even played yet, but three they're three and two. They've already beaten the best team in the West, presumably two times, and they have all they need is about 26, 27 more wins to go to beat the Vegas win record. So, sorry, Vegas, you guys need to readjust your line because <laughs> they're going to blow past that by about game 60 at least. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is something you touched on a little earlier. Jeremy is being the point forward right now. Mm-hmm. Um He's, you know, he's adjusting to the role very clearly. He's great defensively. He held KD down uh, in the fourth quarter last last night, and but there's a lot of there's a lot of clamoring that Trey Jones gets back in that starting lineup because of the um, distribution and the true point guard that comes along with him. Uh, Last night he had a double double. I think he had ten, twelve assists. Uh, He had ten, twelve points. His plus-minus numbers have been far, far and away the best on the team so far. Uh, I think he was plus 19 when he was on the floor last night in his 28 minutes of play. What do you What do you think when it comes to who should be the point guard there? Should it be Jeremy coming off the bench? Should they shift it up and put Trey back in? What do you think? Well, I think right now it's kind of six one half dozen the other because you know. Yeah, you would love Trey Jones to to get that starting role, and and you have that from the jump, you know, and have all that distribution and and have that impact throughout the game. But also, too, I think it's also a plus to have that coming off the bench. You know, it's like when you have a guy that can do that off the bench, that's six man of the year right there. Yeah. So uh, when you can average a double double, you know, points and assists and everything. Um, again, I, I think they have time to still, you know, experiment play with it it they let's just kind of see what happens of of sure you want to get a rotation set because yeah if you are in the mix for like a playoff spot or something like that you want to have everybody's role nailed down so then they know what their job is and they're not guessing of okay oh I'm supposed to do this oh coach told me I need to make this pass and that's not the time to make that pass because when you're thinking you're not playing Mm -hmm. so um I yeah you know just from an experience standpoint, sure, I, I say Trey Jones is supposed to be starting, but I think you still have some time to play it. It's it's kind of a yes and no answer at this point yeah. for me. I mean, it right now the the starting lineup lacks two things: outside shooting and a true point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jer- one of those things Jeremy can develop into. The other thing Jeremy might not be able to develop into. I mean, he his, he has an okay outside shot right now. I don't know how what the projection is for him to be able to become a knockdown shooter right uh but i don't really think that's his role he's not a knockdown shooter he's a defensive guy that can make a good pass and and uh get in and get inside yeah and so he's never going to be the three and d guy uh trey can be that knockdown three-point shooter he was two for two last night uh starting out he had six easy points in the first half uh one of them on a great assist by by victor i just i think the team flows better with trey um Mm -hmm. But like you said, there's there's a 
there's a luxury of time right now. If they drop five games because they're experimenting with a the lineup, they're experimenting with who plays well with whom, that's okay. That's that's okay for Pop. That's okay for the team. Like they have that luxury. They're not going on to win a championship this year, probably. I mean, hopefully. That'd be cool. But yeah, they'd, they'd like to. If they're gonna be in the mix, they're definitely gonna push for it. I mean, that'd be really cool. I hope they do, for for the record. But um in all likelihood, that's not going to happen. They still, I think, have the four, fourth, fifth worst odds in the NBA to, to win the to win the NBA championship. So I don't see that happening. So, however, you have the luxury of time. You can yeah. adjust. You can put Trey in. You can put Jeremy on the bench. You can put Devin's now going to be out, so it's going to be interesting to see who they start on Sunday against Toronto back at home. Who's who's going to take Devin's spot? Is it going to be Trey? Is it going to be Malachi? Who's, who's it going to be? I would say... Trey probably slides it like you move Jeremy over to to Devin's spot. You get Trey into the point guard and and I mean roll that out there and see what happens. And then when Devin comes back, maybe you can flip flop Jeremy and and Devin. Who knows? Yeah. Um. I, again, you like Jeremy's defense and you need that on the floor. Uh. The the defense is still something that the Spurs have to improve upon. But you know that that should come the more time again they play with each other. Yeah, absolutely. As far as just gelling and and knowing everybody's, you know, where where they're going to be, and just the relationship, the spatial relationship of okay, this guy's got this guy, or the backside cut, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Whatever. Lastly, has your so last week I think we both assumed and and said that there that the Spurs were going to win about fifty or excuse me forty games. Um, I think my opinion has changed on them a little bit. Okay. To where I think that if barring health. If Devin's not out for a significant amount of time, obviously health is always the great, great equalizer among a lot of things. I think my opinion has changed to where there might be a 50-win team because, yeah. Yeah. because cool. of just their ability to – they are the team of the future when they have positionless basketball. Like You have no one that's really cemented into a spot. Mm-hmm. Wemby can play center. Wemby can play one. Uh, Zach Collins can play five. He can play – He can. you can even move him to power forward. He can, he can – Go outside. His three starting to fall, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy can play one through five. Like you have this true positionless basketball, and I think that's the future of the NBA. And they're kind of a, ahead of the curve. So yeah. I, I think that they their their ceiling is a fifty one team. That that sounds great to me. I mean, I I, st- <laughs> I still think um, it's still a little early. I still have them way above that. You know, ESPN win total, which is just ridiculous. Twenty six point two on ESPN. Right. Um, they're, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 38, 40, 42 win team, which is kind of on the edge. Uh, you know, as the season progresses, those teams in the West are going to figure it out, too. It's it's not like everybody else is just going to stay the same. You know, if you play the Phoenix Suns in February or March, you know, look out. It, it's going to be a different animal. Uh, so I and, and the Spurs, obviously, are they're not going to stand pat either, too. Uh, but right now, I still have them kind of in that, you know, fringe, you know, kind of playing tournament team a little bit. Uh, and who knows if they if they catch fire, then yeah, you know, they definitely could be up near that fifty one total. I am an overreactor, so I <laughs> I understand. Um, speaking of tournaments, just I wasn't on the run now, but I figured since uh, since we're here, uh, the in season tournament. Yeah, the today. new yeah it starts tonight. Any any, any feelings on? I don't. On I mean, it you know, it's just it's kind of like well. They're, they're playing regular season games. It's just this one maybe carries a little bit more. I would like, you know, I wonder, you know, it's like baseball. They have like the fantasy leagues, you know, that happen mm-hmm. uh, during the season and people talk about those. So I wonder if like, 
you know, this is going to be something too, where there's like some side action, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, you know, in between the lines, you know, they maybe talk about it a little bit, but you know, and it, and it's kind of like the fans and, and media hears about it just kind of on the fringe and it's like, okay, something else is going on. So it's like, there is some extra motivation, um, you know, so it it should be fun. You know, I, mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to follow a little bit. Yeah, because it's just okay. This game counts for something else, and you know, yeah, like what the hell is going on? Yeah. So I, I just, know. I mean, my opinion is like, does anyone really care? Like, do, I, do I don't the fans think it... care. Do the players care? Do the coaches care? I know the coaches might get an extra five hundred thousand dollars or whatever for winning. I mean, then that's right. no that's, chunk. That's <laughs> that's when it starts to get interesting. Yeah. The players start, you know, oh, okay, mm, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 get up for this one, right? And and like when you're making millions and millions of dollars, does that really move the needle that much to where you're going to push through? Maybe a. a, a Sore groin to or those something. Guys on thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, it sure as heck does. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, to Dame, it might not. <laughs> um, I just like I don't. I'll see how it goes, and I'll be interested to see what the TV numbers and stuff look like. To see if there's actually people interested more in these games than regular regular season games. But to me, it just doesn't move the needle. It's like, why no. are we? Why are we doing this? Especially five games in, it doesn't. In season tournament isn't like let's start this at the five game mark, you know. Yeah. I thought it would happen in like January or something like that, but they're gonna have it in November with the finals in in Vegas, and it's just I don't know. Yeah, it it's kind of it's spread out over this month, isn't it? And then yeah. it ends in Vegas in yeah. December. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It really doesn't. I just, now now that it's here, it's like okay, maybe get familiar with the format, and then all right, you know, they win, they lose. You know, whatever. Yeah, honestly, I, I I need to go brush up on what the format is. I saw a couple articles like, here's an explainer. I'm gonna have to go read one of those a little <laughs> bit later because I have no idea. I know that the the Spurs are in the same division or bracket as the as the Warriors. That's mm-hmm. all I really know. Um, all right, let's get to our one of our other leads. So there's a parade going on, Zach. Um, you're not there, sadly. Eh. Which means <laughs> which means that uh, the the Rangers won the World Series and. Uh, I told you. I think I told you yesterday. I felt bad for your neighbors a little bit because I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that there was some hooting and hollering going on in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yeah, uh, when they finally broke through. I mean, tip of the hat to Zach Gallon, though. What a what a heck of a ball game he pitched. I mean, and and that whole game was like on a razor's edge the whole way with yeah. with Evaldi getting out of you know jam, <laughs> jam after jam. <laughs> it was nerves were frayed the first five innings, and then. It's like, man, what could have Evaldi done if he had pitched that sixth inning and copied that for all the previous innings? But uh, just what a series, what a run by the Rangers. Um, you know, just it's it's still crazy to me that uh, a team that I grew up watching, I mean, I've been going to games since I was six, seven, eight years old, uh, sweating it out at the ballpark in Arlington. I know it's called something different, but it's it's always the ballpark in Arlington. Globe Life Field is the new place. Uh, it's nice to go in when it's 108 outside and it's 72 <laughs> inside. That is very nice. But um, just what it means to that franchise is just crazy and all the fans because it's, you know, it's 2011, got washed away now. Uh, you know, being one strike away twice just uh, was was heartbreaking. That That was like the worst feeling that you could have as a sports fan. And now to to be on this pinnacle, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I was sitting down. Uh, I was working Wednesday night in news, and then about nine o'clock, my story was already done. So I went and sat down with Chuck and Don in the sports department, and I was like, "Okay, here they here we go. They're breaking it open a little bit." 
And then we get to like the eighth and ninth, and Don turns to us. And he's like, "Is David Friesel on this team?" No, <laughs> he who shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Here comes 2011." Oh, I was like, "Oh God, stop. shut up, stop!" <laughs> but I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It was a team that the Rangers. Um, they're a team that it kind of has everything. Like you have guys that were bought, like Simeon and Uvalde and Degrom, who obviously got hurt and. And Seeger and, and and Scherzer and all these vets that yep. you needed to purchase and get get to come to your roster, but then you have the guys that were homegrown, and you have the Josh Youngs and you have the Leotes and you have the guy that you traded cash considerations for in Araldis or uh, excuse me, Adal Adalise, mm -hmm. um, Evan Carter too, Evan Carter. Yeah, you have all these guys. You, like it, you have this mix of of teams and you have this mix of personalities and and that's what makes baseball so cool. Is like you have people from all walks of life, and you you have like there's no more nowhere more diverse than a than a locker room in or a clubhouse in uh, Major League Baseball. But you have like everybody that just came together for one common goal, got it done, and delivered a 63 years in the making. If you want to go back to the Washington Senators yeah. days, so um, I thought that Corey Seager was the clear MVP. There was no sure. there was no question about it uh, yeah. in my mind. I mean, I think if Uvalde threw a better Game one, then he might have been in conversation because he threw a great game five. Yeah. Um, but Seager's home run in game one, Seager's home run in game three, it doesn't get bigger than that. No, it, you know, he, he was kind of clear cut. I mean, if Fidoli stayed healthy, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, if, and if he hit another home run or something like that, you could have made an argument for, for him. But yeah, Seager, just what more could, you know, second position player next to Reggie Jackson. And, and when you look side by side, it's just like the numbers were almost the exact same. Seeger's the true Mr. October. Just, well, you know, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't take that. I mean, Reg, Reggie will have something to say about that. He's just like, yeah, I got more rings, you know, next. Um, For now. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, he's, he's fantastic. Of course, you know, he was the big, you know, nobody's crying any tears for him just because of, yeah, the contract that he has and stuff. But uh, he was sold on the vision, and that was, you know, do you, they kind of – the both the pitch, I, I went back and looked, you know, Chris Young, it was the pitch to them was just like, look, yeah, you know where we are. This is part of the rebuild, and do you want to be a part of that? You know, you can go anywhere else, but do you want to be a part of that? And that, that really kind of, kind of bucked up their competitive – edge a little bit and they said you know heck yeah we want to be a part of it let's go and then we we talk about this run in october and everything but i mean going back even during the season you know they had six all-stars you know four or five of them went down in the second half you lost Evaldi, you lost young you lost adolis garcia you lost jonah heim yeah for with a wrist issue to overcome all of that you know people may, may say oh yeah they spent a bunch of money but but go back and look at that other guys stepped up that whole entire t season to get them to that point. And that's the impressive thing. Going back to that team, it's the mix of guys. And really it was because when DeGrom went down, Dane Dunning pitched out of his, he, he pitched lights out for a little bit. John Gray. Held down that spot a little yep. bit to get that, to kind of galvanize that pitching rotation a little bit. So at each, at different points all throughout the season, guys stepped up and made the made the plays, contributed. Mitch Garver was huge in the month of August and September. Uh, so, you know, just what a team. And you look at the early early August when they went on that skid of nine games, seven. They games, lost eight whatever, games in a row. Eight games in a row, and it was just like the team could have completely come apart right then. They lost their big lead that they had in the yeah. AL West. 
the the uh, the Mariners were surging. Houston was coming back. They had just gotten swept by Houston. It was like everything could have kind of come apart at the seams, but instead you galvanize together. You get things back on track. Martin Perez is there, and he's trying to he's kind of taking up some innings for you. You got uh, John Gray. You got Dane Dunning. You got all these pitchers that are pitching out of their minds, trying to keep you in ball games. And it's like you stayed the course. Yep. How I wanted to ask you because you're a little bit more of a baseball guy than I am. When it comes to Bruce Bochy, what effect do you think Bruce had on this team as compared to? you know, previous managers that the, that the Rangers have had. He's the magic glue. I mean, when, when Chris Young got him to sign on, you know, they, they set up some pillars and, and the one that I like the most, I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, it's be a good teammate and, and all that kind of stuff. But the one pillar that I think is, you know, dominate the fundamentals, this team improved defensively dramatically. I mean, and in Seager, Kind of, yeah, known for his bat, but, you know, not the greatest glove sometimes. But the dude, they didn't make an error during the World Series. That is huge because the Diamondbacks, they made less errors than the Rangers during the regular season. So it's like you have two great defensive teams, and, and that played out because, you know, Christian Walker, he made that error, which could have been a double play, that led to a five-run inning in game four. And then, and then that, you know, kind of, catapults them into having that 10-run lead all of a sudden. Yeah, and then Thomas in Game 5 with the, the overplayed ball that brought in two runs at the yeah. end. Yeah, so, I, I mean, just his steady hand, I think, and, you know, it, it's it's almost it, going back to Ron Washington, you know, they called it the wash gut. You know, he kind of had that gut move, too, where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, this guy's maybe running into some trouble or something like that, but it's like, no, I'm going to stick with my guy or, you know, no, we're going to bring in and play the matchup and stuff like that. He just – it, the fans may be screaming for him to do something, but he just sticks with his guy and the players respond to that because it's just like, hey, I know my manager's got my back. He's got my faith in me and then so do my teammates. I think that helped elevate them and stuff. And, and yeah, the experience that he has – guiding a team through the postseason, that's that's immeasurable. Yeah, I mean, it's his fourth World Series. He won every even year from 2010 he to He was already a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, I mean, he he's in his 100th year of managing, and he might be the best manager <laughs> of ba- in baseball right now. I mean, yeah. he's, he's still clicking on all cylinders. No, you can, no, Not enough can be said about Bruce Bochy. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, I know we, we they, the uh, ink is still not dry on this World Series, but... Uh, <laughs> Can they can they do it again next year? Well, so I, I think uh, Max Scherzer was asked <laughs> that too, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to say anything stupid like that just yet." I mean, they'll have a shot. Granted, um, they do have a bunch of you know pieces returning and everything. I mean, the the infield is obviously going to be there. Um, it it all really I think comes down to that pitching staff, and sure, you're going to have you know four of those guys. Grom is the question mark because I have no idea when he's going to come back. He's not a question mark. He's not going to be there. For well, more than so five games. Even, even after his injury happened, they said so. His timetable is like August of next year, and and this guy was done before the All Star break. So it's like okay, it's thirteen, fourteen months. That's the timeline that you're giving us already, and it's just like that's crazy. There's guys that come back, you know, twelve months or sooner. Now I know you don't want to. It's an investment. You don't want to risk something pushing somebody back too quickly. And even guys with this season, Avaldi, Scherzer, they there were guys that they kind of pushed it a little bit, and it was like, yeah, maybe we kind of boot, 
Bochi said that a couple times with a couple of guys. It's like, yeah, maybe we pushed them back too quickly, but it paid off. But um, yeah, they're they're. You still got Avaldi, Montgomery, Scherzer, and then okay, fifth spot's kind of a wild card. Hopefully, it's John Gray or something like that. But that rotation, good rotation, <laughs> that's pretty stinking good. Now, obviously, if you can add a lockdown reliever to that, As I say, one you or get two a couple of guys in arms, there. Uh, and then, of course, you know you, you need your offense to kind of well, keep up the same production. You get a couple of guys. You're going to have Seager and Simeon, obviously. You're going to have Josh Young still. You're going to have Jonah Heim still. You're going to get a full year from Evan Carter. Yep. You're going to have Adelise Garcia. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have your pieces. And yeah. so it's going to be the back end, seeing who you know. Is it still going to be Leoti? Is it still going to be uh, 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 Janikowski? Or is it? Why am I? Why am I? Well, what a, what a jo- yeah, and, and what a job by Travis, you yeah, know, coming right. in and and stepping in for Adolis Garcia, you know, just you know, and and he performed that first night, you know. So, I, I yeah, they've got a bunch of guys that um, you know will will contribute next year, and maybe they add just a, one or two role players or everything. But right now, it's just like man, just enjoy this one, soak it in. All right, you heard it here first. Zach's calling for another World Series. No, um, no, <laughs> not saying that. I'm just happy. I'm just happy for Corey Seager. He finally got a legitimate World Series. So, uh, sorry. Dodgers it. fans will disagree with you. Yeah, I know. I'm friends with a lot of them. Uh, I'm from Southern California. All my friends are Dodgers fans down there, and so I give them crap about their 60 win uh, World Series all the time. Um, anyway, let's get to the Cowboys real quick. So, Cowboys in Philly, in Philly. Huge, huge, huge matchup. Like, not enough can be said about how big this game is for both teams. Phillies coming in at seven and one. Cowboys are five and two. I, to me, this game is going to come down to can can uh, the Cowboys defense stop the uh, Eagles offense? One yeah. is hurts hurt is what I really want to know because he looks not himself. He ran the fewest times in any game he's ever played last week. I don't know if that was because of him being injured or if that was because. They're trying to save his legs for a game like this weekend. I could see it both ways. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but can you stop AJ uh, AJ Brown? Can you stop the tush push that now apparently is a sweep around the edge? Yeah, they showed a different. They showed a different run, so you gotta you gotta prepare for that now. Can you stop uh, Devonta Smith that comes in and relieves AJ Brown? Like. There's so many aspects of this Philly offense that are dangerous right. that even though that it doesn't seem like they've clicked all year, you still have to prepare so much. And that offensive line against that defensive line is going to win the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the defense, you said it, it's going to have its hands full. So many weapons for Philly and everything. Uh, something interesting that I heard Michael Parsons say earlier this week, you know, they were asked about, you know, the brotherly shove, tush push, whatever you want to call it. And Micah said, no, we're not really practicing defending against it. You know, it's just like the, the way to defend it is don't let them get to fourth and one, fourth and two, whatever it is, which, yeah, I kind of agree with yeah, a little bit. Fair. You know, <laughs> keep, them, keep them out of that situation, and, yeah, they're not going to run it. So, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, strong dude. I mean, the guy squats 600 pounds. I think he's just going to be fine, you know, wearing a knee brace, whatever it is. I think he, you know – Guys have said he's sliding a little bit more, so I think he's getting that awareness of just yeah, I, I don't have to you know fight for every single yard. Um, but maybe that's, maybe that's he does a big part a, of his game though. Is no, yeah, maybe maybe he does in a game like this because you know they recognize the importance of it. Um, you know, look, it's both teams are going to get up for this. The Cowboys have actually had the edge over the Eagles just in terms of regular season. You know, I can't remember what the record is, uh, but last year was interesting. You know. 
Jalen was playing in one game, but Dak was injured against going against Cooper Rush, and then later in the season it was re- the reverse. Dak was back, but then Jalen was out, yep. and they had Gardner Minshew. So I think this is only what the second time that those two have. Yeah, actually they faced have off not. They each have each not faced off against each other head to head. So really, in addition to the offense, defensive lines, whoever wins that battle on both sides of the ball. Um, it's, it's man who can have the better day throwing the ball. There's, there's times where, you know, Jalen hurts, you know, he, he can get a little pick prone Dak, same thing. So it's just like, who can have the cleaner game in terms of cowboy play, or quarterback plays? Yeah. Me. I mean, the last time we saw these two teams on the field together, it was Christmas Eve. Uh, I was there. Gardner Minshew almost won that game for the Eagles. Um, but Dak was able to carve up that defense pretty good. Like he, for some reason he plays well against the Eagles, um, that wasn't home, however, and obviously they lost in Philadelphia last year with Cooper Rush. But I think Dak should probably have a good game. Um, he's He's been very good these past couple of games. He has been. What I'm worried about is that even though they destroyed the Rams last week in an avalanche of, of big plays in the second and first quarters, you saw some some chinks in that offensive line again. And that's what I'm concerned about. I mean, Chume Igadogo went down again. Uh, Ty- we still don't know if Tyron Smith's going to play this week. So yep. we don't know if Tyler Smith's going to be out of the left tackle, which opens up that left guard spot. And I mean, you saw Aaron Donald beat Zach Martin last week. So, I mean, that concerns me a little bit. It's like, I'm just concerned about this offensive line because they're not the dominant force that they used to be. And if you're going to go against a team, you don't, don't want to go against the Eagles who have Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and, Brandon Graham and, you know, insert other Georgia player here. Right. And maybe, you know, kind of we'll, we'll find out what kind of a plan of attack they have to neutralize that front a little bit. Maybe it is kind of it's obviously not going to be a carbon copy of what they did against the Rams, throwing it, you know, come out firing straight away and, and ease up that pass rush. Um, who knows? Maybe this is the game. Tony Pollard's been talking about it. It's just like, hey, that a big game's coming, you know, just it's it's waiting for the right time. So you would love for him to to roll up 100 yards on the ground and maybe a couple scores. But, you know, that that ground game hasn't hasn't it's been sputtering. Well, they do have the Eagles do have the uh, best rushing defense in the league. So uh, if there's a game, if there's a game you want to try and break out on. I don't know if this is the one. Well, I mean, yeah, just looking at I mean, if if we're going off straight statistics and stuff, but. That's that's the thing about the NFL. It's just like, oh, this team looks so good in this aspect. And then, you know, it seems like this season, you know, whenever you've had that storyline, it kind of gets turned on its head when the game happens a little bit. Right. In, in some instances, I'm not going to – that doesn't happen every time. But, you know, man, it's it's going to be a knockdown drag out. I mean, just <sighs> – I don't, you know, I don't know this, this one and another coin flip. Yeah. I think it's going to be a pass heavy game. We've seen, uh, that the running game can't really get going, uh, this whole season. I mean, Tony, as a Tony Pollard fantasy owner, I know that he's not doing very well. Um, and and the offensive line isn't really getting the push up front that you want from him. I was surprised that they didn't go out and trade for another back. I know they really like their, their quarterback or their running back room, um, so I, I think Rico will get a little bit more run this week just yep. to kind of be that banger a little bit. Sure. Um, and they're going to try and use Pollard as a little bit more of a change of pace, kind of like he's been and that, that how he's excelled in the last few years. However, I think this is going to be on Dak's shoulders um, because the Eagles are 24th in, in yards allowed in, in the NFL. I mean, they're going to have their – they're going to be open. Yeah. Can CD – be and have the game that he did last year or last week. Can he get open? Can he 
make this offense go? Can Michael Gallup catch a pass? Can Brandon Cooks get open? Can Jake Ferguson make a make a catch like he did in the end zone against the Rams? Like it's gonna can can all these things happen and win this game and get you in the driver's seat of your own division? I don't know, but I think that uh, it's gonna. It's going to come down to those guys, the, to the big uglies. Yeah, we'll find out Sunday. Uh, do you think this is a measuring, measuring stick game? I know Jer- Jerry said it's not. Uh, he also said a lot of weird things in his interview on 105.3 The Fan. Yeah. But um, I heard, <laughs> one of I the, heard uh, Glory got mentioned once yeah, again. Yeah, Glory and then a certain device or a certain uh, other word. Cal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's Jerry. He just says things. Uh, but Jerry doesn't want to call this game a measuring stick. I mean, I think it is because they it won't ha- it say has to be. they won't say it's a measuring stick game to us to to, to Dallas journalists and press and all that kind of stuff. It is. They know it is. But something that Dak has said, where it's just like, look, we're not worried about looking left, right, behind, whatever. It's like we know what. There, there, no more meeting needs to be added to this game. We know what it is. It's just the fact that it's a division game. It's like we have to go out and win this. Never mind that they're a contender for the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. We have to go out and win our division, and if we do that, we should be where we want to be. Yeah, Jerry also said uh, this on 105.3 The Fan up in Dallas. He said this is serious bleep uh, that we're dealing with up here on Sunday, man. We've really got to have our game face on, but then doesn't want to call it a measuring stick. So, you know, love Jerry. <laughs> well, Jerry's talking in circles per yeah. usual. Well, he also ta- called uh, the Super Bowl the glory hole. So, you know, good for him. Um, well, yeah, he did that, what, a couple years ago or whatever. <laughs> Just um, I'm looking for some. Yeah, well, he I'm also, not going to do it. Didn't, didn't he also say, we get to suck on that all week? Uh, a couple years he ago. He says all year. kinds. Of, I mean, God bless him. The man's 80 years old. I mean, I don't like it whenever he's – the. When the Super Bowl is being played, that weird sound you hear is going to be me screaming into my pillow, and it's just like, <laughs> okay, Jerry, stop! Like, dude, it's 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 past creepy now. Somebody go get Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steven, go get him. Uh, boy, gosh, <laughs> he's endlessly entertaining. Foot insert mouth. Well, he, no, the thing is that he doesn't care. <laughs> no, he doesn't like, because again, that's... it's all about getting his team out there in the cycle. Oh, can you believe what Jerry t- said today? <laughs> oh boy. Well, it's like once you get to a certain age, you just really don't give a, a flying crap. No. And like my grandma says a lot of things that I that shouldn't come out of her mouth. She called the cake orgasmic once, and it was just like, why? What? Perfectly good adjective. I mean, I guess. I, I, it was a little uncomfortable because I made the cake, but you know whatever. She's, she, so what are you saying here, Grandma? I, yeah, it's like I'm. A, I'm gonna go. Have, have a, <laughs> anyway, so um, real quick, do you think they win or do you think they lose? The, the Eagles are favored by three. What's the What's the point total? Uh, I think that's a good question. I just have the. Let me see real quick. Twenty four twenty one. Brandon Aubrey field goal. Brandon Aubrey field goal wins it. Yeah, in Philly. Yeah. Uh, give me one sec. I'll look up the point total. It is 47. Okay. Yep. I'm sticking with that. So the so the under and the Cowboys cover. Yep. I am going to go with I was sadly accurate when we predicted the uh, 49er game because <laughs> I said that they were going to get their asses kicked. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with 
I think I think it'll be a little closer than that. I think it'll be a ten point win for the Eagles. I'm gonna go fifty one twenty. So, fifty one twenty. Or sorry, thirty one. Thirty one. Thirty one twenty with okay. a to- total of fifty one. There you go. Yeah, my bad. Thirty one to twenty Eagles over the Cowboys, and then I think the Cowboys get them back in a few weeks. Uh, on a, the so it's a wash. Yeah, so it'll be a wash. I, in my opinion, I think they each split. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think either team is good enough to beat the other team twice. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know, the Eagles have shown that. They're not exactly running on all cylinders right now. You hear that from Jason Kelsey every week on the New Heights podcast. He's like, we can't score in the red zone. We got to get touchdowns. We got to do all this. Apparently, their offense is only good when they play against the commanders. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But let's get to uh, North Texas UTSA real quick, which might be honestly the best Texas on Texas team rivalry in the state Mm -hmm. right now. I mean. UTSA hasn't beat North Texas in Denton in 10 years. They beat them in 2013. Uh, they Jeff Trailer has never won in, in North Texas. Um, 2017, North Texas won on a minute-long 98-yard drive that kind of put the old regime out out for pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, Trailer's second year, UTSA was 11-0. They lost to the Mean Green 45-23 in, in North Texas. In, I think it was the last game of the season. North Texas was trying to make a bowl game. So yeah. Jeff is not underplaying how big this game is for UTSA. Well, immediately after the game on Saturday against East Carolina, it was just like it, it seemed like a very business first attitude from everybody that came up. You know, Frank Harris is just like, no, there wasn't a whole lot of celebrating because it's like we know what's coming up next and yep. we're we're looking to improve and and we gotta go get that one. Um you know they're they're on a roll right now, but again, it's it's going to be a tooth and nail game. I think between these two clubs, you know, you look at it and people may go, "Oh, Mean Green three and five, we should roll them." We're on a four game winning streak. That's the kind of you know mentality where it, it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. But UTSA not overlooking them at all. Uh, they've got a bunch of good football players. Jeff, you know, Coach Trailer knows that the the North Texas program is is solid. Uh, it's a different change there. Seth Latrell, I know, was out after they lost in the in the regular season finale last year. Um, so it it'll be a good one. It, I mean, you know, hopefully it, hopefully the weather report looks nice up in North Texas, so that's going to be that's going to help, I think, you know, throwing the ball around for Frank Harris and the offense, which is which has really come on uh these past few weeks. Well, so. you've heard you heard Jeff after the game too say and you were there uh, getting the sound. It's like We've lost one game in November, and I remember exactly which one it was, yeah. and it was the one I just talked about when they lost 45-23. Yeah. And he, you can tell he thinks about that all the time because they shouldn't have lost that game, and they did. And they got their butts kicked in that game. They got, they, they'll they t- be the first to tell you they got whipped up front. And uh, I know that Jeff has been kind of chomping at the bit to get back to North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, the Roadrunners are seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Uh, the over/under is an ungodly seventy and a half. Um, what's the what's the prediction here? I'm gonna go thirty-eight, thirty-one. Thirty-eight, thirty-one. UTSA. So the, un- so the under and UTSA does not cover by the hook. Um, I am gonna go forty-five, thirty-five. UTSA. I think that they cover. I think the over hits because. North Texas can do a lot of things well. Um, and you got a guy who, who can sling it around too. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're, they, they're they, kind of up. They're they're up there. A lot of American teams are kind of up there in terms of passing. Their defense sucks, which 
is you know par for the course. Uh, their their defense is bad. I know Don was kind of mad last week when they they almost beat Memphis and he was up there for the for his reunion and then they gave up uh, what was it three plays and forty seconds to a North Texas loss to Memphis. So that was funny. Uh, sorry, Don. Um, but I think North Texas is going to get their points. Trey Moore is going to get his sacks. No. The, the UTSA Roadrunners are going to get theirs on defense and on offense. I think they come out. They probably they might even put up fifty. I think their offense is really rolling now with Cephas and with Robert Henry. They've discovered their run game again with Kavorian Barnes, Robert Henry, and all those guys up front. Taiki Ogo Kellogg has really come on this season. He has he has been uh, amazing in replacing JT Clark and Zachary Franklin and all those guys. I think Taiki really has stepped up. Um, and it's the offensive line is playing a lot better than they were when they were battered and bruised a few weeks ago it's amazing what happens when you get all your players back and yeah. everybody's healthy <laughs> and that's and that's what jeff said early in the season he's like it's going to come down to health our offensive line has been battered and bruised all for like the last three years and it's like makai hart like your heart goes out for him because he's just like he's the, he's the guy on that offensive line and they lost him like game two yeah and so it's like you're finally starting to get your feet under you i think they go up to north texas and they get this one done so um sooners bedlam Got any, got any hot takes before we leave? I don't. Uh, <laughs> they just better beat them. My gosh. Six, six and a half point favorites right now, I think. In, in, uh, it's in stool water. In so, stool water. Stool. Um, <laughs> so, stool water. Yeah. Drive up north until you smell it and then drive east until you step in it. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh, that's an old, it's, uh, that's an old oaky saying. That's I mean, been, a, that's been around as long as the hills. Oh my God. I've never heard that before. Stool water. And I mean, I guess that's the hatred. That's the rivalry game for you guys. That's the in-state which rivalry. One, which one do you care more about? Texas. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. The, so I don't, I can't remember what the record is off the top of my head, but come on. It's, it's like 91, 18 and like five. That's the overall record. It's just like it ain't a rivalry unless both teams win. Yes, both teams have won, but Oklahoma overwhelmingly runs this rivalry. Oklahoma State's been coming on, man. They no, and I give them credit. You know, Gundy's figured it out. They looked like they were going to be a Jekyll and Hyde team a little bit, but now uh, it seems like they found some players. They found some pieces. So uh, it's it's. It's the in-state rivalry, so it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's not it's not like somebody's just gonna you know trounce somebody. Real quick, Texas, Kansas State, four. Uh, Texas that, is four I'm point. I'm looking forward to watching that one, man. Texas That's four point favorites. Uh, I think Texas comes out and it, it'll be close. Uh, I think it'll be around there, but I think Texas gets a three point win. Yeah, I think it's a three point win too. Uh, Kansas State has come on strong. Yeah, Coach Kleiman, man. I just I I don't know what to believe in Malik Murphy right now. He did not look good against BYU. I think he came on. It's it's just the first game and everything, and and that team believes in him. I mean, Coach Sark talked about it after that that win against BYU. He could have chosen to go anywhere else, and when you have two number one recruits coming in, Quinn Ewers and then Arch Manning back to back like that, he could have gone anywhere else that he wanted to, especially after the spring game that he happened. But Malik Murphy stayed, and you know, man, what what kind of character does he have? And and of course, his teammates have rallied around him. So. Uh, I think it'll be just fine. As always, we can do this all day, but we got to get out of yeah. here. So um, that's all we got for you on Friday edition of Sneakers Cleats Podcast. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell somebody, tell grandma. Um, we, <laughs> I taught my grandma how to use YouTube and actually watch this the other day. She's cool. impressed. She's nice. impressed. She's doing well. Uh, Mimi, shout out. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> shout on, out Mimi. Shout out Mimi. We'll be back on Monday as always. Until then, 
the Sun Devils are going to beat Utah this weekend. You heard it here first. Have a great weekend. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.